I'm glad we're in here instead of out there. So, I ask you to turn your Bibles to Matthew 14, looking down to verses 28, 29, 30, 31. This is where Jesus is walking on water and Peter's going to walk on water. Our focus will be on that, especially Jesus rebuilding the life of Peter. Jesus rebuilding the life of Peter. Remember when Jesus and Peter first got together, John 1, 40-42, Andrew brought his brother Peter to Jesus and said, this is Simon. Jesus says, you are indeed Simon, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means a rock, a rock. And Jesus is going to make a rock solid follower, disciple out of Peter, out of Peter. Now, Peter had his, his shortcomings for sure, as we all remember. He had several shortcomings. Mark chapter 1, 16 and 17, Jesus looked to Peter and the others and said, If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So Peter was not yet a fisher of men, and Jesus would help make him that. Peter sometimes had the wrong perspective on things, the wrong mindset on things. You might recall in Matthew 16, 21 to 24, that Jesus had been explaining about his upcoming crucifixion and then his resurrection. Peter said, no way, Lord, I'm not going to let that happen to you. And Jesus said to him, get, get thee behind me, Satan, your mind in the things of men, not the things of God. And so Jesus would help him overcome that as well. And of course, we remember Peter's personal failures, especially uh, the times that he denied the Lord those, those three times. But here with the walking on the water, Matthew 14, we can see how Jesus was able to rebuild, rebuild. We need that too, don't we? We need to be revived. We need to rebuild. We need to re-energize. We need to let the Lord recharge us. And so certainly this is, uh, these are some thoughts that would be uh, good for us as well. So what was uh, Peter inspired by when it comes to the Lord? Let's let our minds go to Matthew uh, 14 and think about Peter there. And, and it's in the middle of the night, huge storm. The disciples are in the boat. Jesus comes walking on the water. Let's think about this. First of all, Peter was inspired by the Lord's power. Peter was inspired by the Lord's power. Notice in verse, what is it? Verse uh, 29, 28, 29, 30 there. It says that Peter answered and said, Lord, bid me to come. Lord, command me to come out there uh, with you. I want us to think about that word answered for a second. It is, it is what we call a passive in passive form. Okay. In other words, I think about it like this. Peter had not uh, been studying the matter. He had not had some pre-thoughts about Jesus coming along and that he would ask Jesus to let him come out there on, on the water. He, this was not a deliberate decision. It, it wasn't that Peter had been uh, sitting in that boat and saying, hey, when the Lord comes along, I've got some questions for him. I want to get out there with him. No, this was something unexpected. And this is something that has overcome him. Okay. This is something or someone has overcome him. Okay. 
And so when Peter sees Jesus walking on the water and then hears these words of Jesus saying, it is I, be not afraid, the power of his presence and the power of his words just overwhelmed Peter to where he just had to say, Lord, let me come out there as well. I want us to see that Peter is inspired by the, by the power of Jesus. Let me illustrate illustrated like this. You know, when Jesus gave the story of the Good Samaritan, Luke 10, 33, the priest and Levite passed by on the other side of the man who had been robbed and beaten and left there on the, on the side of the road. But the Good Samaritan, he comes along and he had not planned to stop and help that day. He was on a journey, but he was overcome with the man's condition. He was overwhelmed with the man's needs and his heart went out to him. He had compassion upon him. That's the idea here with Peter. It's not that Peter had planned to go out there on the water or even to ask to go out there on the water, but seeing what he saw right there in the middle of the night with the waves and the storms and the wind and seeing what Jesus was doing and then also hearing what Jesus said, then he was overwhelmed with the situation. You might also look at Luke 15, verse 20, the story of Jesus the story Jesus gave about the prodigal son coming home. And, and when he was a great yet uh, distance from the home, the father looking saw the son coming home. And because of what he saw, the father's heart went out to his son. He had compassion upon his son. He was overwhelmed with that situation. He didn't know his son was coming that day, but he was looking for him. But once he saw his son, then he responded with this compassion. This is what Peter is doing here in Matthew 14. He is seeing the Lord, hearing the Lord. What, from what he hears, from what he sees, he's just overwhelmed. And he says, Lord, let me come out there as well. If we are going to let the Lord revive us, then in a similar way, we first have got to know the, his power, the power of his word. And then we've got to look at the conditions around us. It's got to be that combination Knowing the power of the Lord, knowing the power of his words, and then knowing the needs of the people around us, then that's how it is that the Lord revives us. That's how that we become inspired by him. For example, in Acts, 6, Acts 17, verse 16, Acts 17, 16 and 17, Acts 17, 16 and 17, we see the Apostle Paul, he's in Athens, and he's just gotten there. And he's waiting on Timothy and Silas to join him. And as he's there, he begins to walk around and observe that that whole city of Athens is given over to idolatry. And it says there that his spirit was stirred within him, King James Version, or his spirit or his heart was provoked within him to where he just had to go to the marketplace and start speaking. He, he couldn't wait any longer. He couldn't wait on Timothy and Silas. He had to get out there where the people were. He went to the Areopagus. He went to the marketplace and he began to speak about the true God who made both heaven and earth. Or think about the example of Acts 9 of Jesus himself, Acts 9, 35 and 36, where Jesus just, you know, Jesus was often followed by multitudes. And at one point he stopped and looked around. It was just multitudes and and when he saw the multitudes and how they were distre distressed and scattered. And that's, that's the condition of so many 
today, just dis distressed, worried, and scattered, really having no direction in life. It even says there in Matthew 9 that they were as sheep without, sh without a shepherd. It says that Jesus' heart went out to them. He had compassion upon them. And he called upon his disciples to notice how the, the harvest is truly uh, ready if we, if we can have laborers to come in and do the work. And so first notice that Peter is inspired by the power of Jesus. In the second place this morning, going back to Matthew 14 here, and walking on the water, notice that Peter is inspired by really the personal interest of Jesus. The personal interest of Jesus. I started to say personality of Jesus, but really it's his personal interest. Okay. Try to put yourself there with them for a moment, out there in the middle of the night on, on that sea and in that storm and Jesus walking on that water. Try to put yourself there. Jesus put himself out there. Here comes Jesus. Okay. Now, he's putting himself out there. In other words, when Jesus arrives that night, walking on the water, he doesn't have some sort of divine shield over him. He doesn't have some sort of spiritual bubble around him. Okay. His hair is wet also. Okay. His clothes are soaked as well, just like the disciples. He's experiencing what they are experiencing. Okay. The wind is coming against them and pushing them around. Well, the wind is pushing him too. Yeah. He's feeling the wind against his face. He's... Their boat is riding the waves, and he's riding those waves as he's walking as well. Okay. He's experiencing what, what was against them was against him as well, and yet he's still doing this miracle. I want you to look and notice, why is he out there? Notice, it, notice his personal interest. He, he's there because they need him to be there. Okay. We need him to have done this miracle so we can go back and study it and reading it and read it like we're doing today. But he, they needed him to be there. This is somewhat like a reflection of a bigger picture or a reflection of the big picture because ultimately, what did Jesus do to show his personal interest? Well, he left heaven, as you know. And he came down here, why? Because we needed him uh, to come. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's, that's, that's a very significant statement that he dwelt among us. He experienced what we experienced. Hebrews uh, 2 17 and 18 says it behooved our Lord to be made just like us. To be made just like us. Hebrews 2 17 and 18. And we all remember Philippians 2 5 and 6 let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself, notice this he made himself of no reputation took the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. You see, Jesus came here to show us his personal interest. He came to show us God's personal interest in each of us, in our salvation, in our lives. So Jesus came and he experienced the daily needs just like we do. He experienced the relationships just like we do. He experienced the Sometimes loneliness, sometimes pain, sometimes tears, okay? Uh, just like we do. He, he experienced the suffering on our behalf. He experienced death on our behalf. You see, he come with a great deal of personal interest in us. And Peter was revved up by that. Peter was inspired 
by the fact that the Lord was out there with them in the middle of the night and he was there to help uh, them. So if we want to be revived ourselves, if we want to be inspired, then we will try to be more like the Lord and, be, and have a great personal interest uh, in, in people and get out of ourselves okay, and get into the needs of other people. As Galatians 6 and verse 2 says, bear you one another's burdens. But the greatest burden you can help someone bear is, is to work in behalf of their soul. And Peter learned this. If you look over to Matthew 5 for just one example, Matthew 5 and, and 40 to 42, Peter learned this because he and John were putting themselves out there, even willing to be beaten by Jewish leaders. And they were beaten, but they counted that a, a thing of honor, that they would be worthy to be selected to, to suffer along with Jesus in his name. But notice in verse 42 it says, They did not cease to preach Jesus the Christ both in the temple and in the synagogues and also from house to house. And so if we want to be revived, recharged, we'll be inspired by the Lord's personal interest. It is common among men and women on earth to tackle problems by meetings, 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 meetings. Everywhere you go, there's meetings. Okay. And somehow, sometimes we forget that the way to tackle problems is to just simply have a one-on-one -on -one personal interest. And by and by, the Lord can do a lot with that. In the third place, we see that Peter is inspired by the Lord's courage. The Lord's courage. Let me leave for a moment this episode of Walking on the Water I want to go to John 18 for a second. When they came and arrested Jesus in the garden, Peter's there. He's observing. But they came, and they come with torches. They come with, with uh, swords. They come with shields. You know, they come with, with clubs as if there's going to be a fight. Jesus just walks right up to them and says, Who do you seek? And they said, Well, we seek Jesus of Nazarene. What did Jesus say, guys? What did he say? I am he. I am he. And what did the men do that had come to arrest him? They fell back. In the presence of such courage and amazing fortitude, they just fell back. Peter is observing this. Let me take you to another scene. Matthew 26 and verse 58. Matthew 26 is a long chapter dealing with the trials of Jesus, the arrest of Jesus and trials of Jesus. But now Jesus has been taken in and he's going before some Jewish leaders first. And Peter has positioned himself. If you look at Matthew 26 and verse 58, he's positioned himself where he can listen and see what's going on. He looks in there and they're going to be accusing Jesus. And Jesus stands his ground and then they begin to spit upon him and beat upon him. If you read the rest of that chapter. Peter is observing the courage of Jesus. Now go back to Matthew 14. Walking on the water. And when the disciples saw Jesus in the middle of the night. Walking on the water. It says they were exceedingly terrified. And they thought it was a ghost. And then Jesus said. Be not afraid. It is I. It is I. 
almost to say that Jesus is the walking epitome of courage itself. It's very true. Did this courage rub off on Peter? We know that it did. We know that it did. We know that even though Peter failed, he was still showing a lot of courage. In Matthew 26, 31 to 34, Jesus explained, Now, now y'all are going to be scattered tonight, you disciples. Okay? He says, It is written that when they smite the shepherd, all the, the sheep of the flock are going to scatter. Peter spoke up. He said, Lord, that's not going to happen to me. That's not going to happen to me. Though all the rest of them forsake you, I won't forsake you. And then he adds this, I will even die for you, Lord. Now, we know he's going to fail, but still, look at the courage that has struck in him. But jumping over to Acts 2, 14. On the day of Pentecost, what were they accusing the apostles of already? As they spoke in different languages, they were accusing the apostles of being drunk. Peter stood up. Peter did. He stood up. He said, these men are not drunk, seeing it's just the third time of the day. But what he really got to was, he says, look, this is a fulfillment of a book that you should already know. The book of Joel, chapter 2, 28 to 32, where the Spirit shall come upon all the flesh. This is a fulfillment of that. Peter had the courage to stand up and start speaking uh, for Christ. And then all throughout the book of Acts, we see him with this great courage. If we want to be revived, if we want to be inspired by the Lord, we will study his courage and then we will make the steps to have courage ourselves. Since we're talking about Peter, can I direct your attention over to 1 Peter 3, 13 to 15 for just a second. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 15. Notice that Peter has learned a lot over these years. Now he's writing about this by inspiration. 1 Peter 3. He says to other Christians, he's saying, now if it's the case that you are called to suffer for righteousness' sake, do not fear, he says, nor be troubled. Now notice that verse 15 will follow up those statements. What's the first statement in verse 15? But rather, instead of this fear, instead of this worry, instead of this trouble, okay, instead of this agitation, he says, but sanctify in your hearts Jesus as Lord and then be ready. Then be ready. The more saturated our lives are with the Lord Jesus, and his word, then the greater courage we're going to have. No one can argue with that. So notice that in the third place, Peter is inspired by the courage of Jesus. And in the fourth place, notice that Peter is inspired by the commands of Jesus. Going back to Matthew 14. Now we're moving along. 29, 30, 31. Peter says, Lord, if it be you, I'll tell you what, Peter is going to be up a creek if that's not the Lord out there. I mean, he's about to step out of that boat in this storm in the middle of the night. If that be you, Lord, 
He's going to be up a creek, as we say, right? If that be you, command that I come out there with you. Now, the word command there is a military uh, word. It means a verbal order given from a superior to an inferior. Uh, there's no way of really comparing, but if you had a, like a five-star general to uh, private first class, you're just touching the hem of the garment. In other words, Peter's saying, Lord, I know that you are the superior one. As you being superior, will you command and allow that I come out there uh, with you? Peter knew his place. That's huge, guys. That's huge. The reason we stray away, the reason we become depressed is because we forget our place and we forget who we're dealing with. Jesus is superior. Okay. And he, the Lord says, you come. And Peter walked out on that water. I want us to, cons I want us to consider the power of the Lord's commands, how Peter was inspired by these commands. Peter is chosen to express the Lord's commands, such as in Acts 2, 38, when the people ask, what shall we do about our sins? He said, well, you've got to change your mind about Jesus. Repent, and then be immersed in water for the remission of sins. It seems like Cornelius understood the importance of God's commands. Over in Acts 10, 33, as Peter went to the house of Cornelius, Cornelius came to him and says, we're all here. We are ready to hear what the Lord has commanded by your mouth, by you. What the Lord, we're ready to hear all that the Lord has commanded you to speak uh, to us. It seems like the early Christians took the commands of the Lord rather seriously. Look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. That is a fulfillment of the command of the Great Commission Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. That's exactly what they're doing. Even in spite and along with the persecution they were enduring, they were still fulfilling the Lord's commands. Why? It's not just they were good-hearted. They had a respect, a very healthy, deep respect, the fact that someone is commanding me here. He is commanding me. The Lord commanded Peter to come out on that water. He had no choice. He had to go then. And when the Lord commands, we get in line. That's what happens. We were discussing marriage in our auditorium class. And there's way too much monkeying around with the Lord's word today. Way too much, guys. Even close to us. There's too much monkeying around. We've got to understand what it is that the Lord said about marriage. And we looked at Matthew 19 where Jesus said, Have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and two shall be one flesh. What therefore, this is it, Matthew 19, 6, what therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. There's an imperative for you. There's a command. There, there's a command from the, the superior, which is not you or me. The superior is the Lord. 
And he is commanding us, let no one put it asunder. If we want to get revved up again, we'll start taking the commands of the Lord seriously. Peter was inspired by the Lord's power and his personal interest, his courage, his commands, and also finally this morning, his compassion. Because Peter gets out there on the water, begins to sink because of his own doubt. And he says, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Why did he ask the Lord to save him? Why didn't he yell back at his buds, his comrades there in the, in the boat, and ask them, his, his own personal companions there, why didn't he yell back to them and say, guys, I've really messed up this time. Throw me a rope. Throw me a rope. But no, he turns to the Lord. Really, I guess, suppose, out of just pure desperation, Lord, save me. I wonder what was passing through Peter's thoughts right there in a fast way. Perhaps he quickly, his mind went back just a, a little while ago when they were all in a boat and a storm came up and the Lord woke up and just simply said, peace be still, silence, nature be muzzled. I wonder if Peter thought, well, maybe the Lord would do that right quick. Or did, Pete, did Peter quickly have in his mind the fact that he had already seen the Lord extend mercy to people even in their sins like we read in John 8 of the woman caught in adultery and the Lord extended mercy to her and told her to go sin no more. Or in Mark 2 when the Lord pronounced a lame man's sins healed did, did, that, did that impact Peter? We know this that on the resurrection day, when Jesus came forth from the dead, he wanted to meet with Peter. In Mark 16, Jesus came forth from the dead. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, to a few other women. And he told those women, go tell the disciples and Peter, Mark 16, 7. Go tell Peter that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a risen. Luke 24, 34, the, the disciples on the road to uh, Emmaus they reported to the other disciples that the Lord has arisen, He's appeared to us, and He's appeared to Peter. I wonder why the Lord singled out Peter. I wonder what that discussion was all about. Can you imagine, take yourself to that discussion, that discussion there. This is resurrection day. Somehow or another the Lord has found Peter and it's just him and Peter. What would be the topic of discussion on that day? It would have to, you know, Peter has just denied him. How would Peter feel? You remember when Peter went out and wept bitterly after that rooster crowed. Surely they talked about forgiveness, guilt, goodness, grace, faith. And surely they talked about how everybody else needs this too, Peter. And Peter seems from that point forward, he seems to be out front, like in Acts 2, Acts 3.19, Peter's preaching, you know, that if you'll repent, be converted, turn to the Lord, your, your sins will be blotted out. Peter, in his epistles, 
epistle says, 1 Peter 3, 21, the light figure whereunto even baptism does now save us. Okay. Peter seems to be out front. He's, he's revved up. He's inspired. He's moved by the compassion of Jesus. And that's what will get us moving as well. That's what will recharge us in our hearts. In our hearts. Comes back to our hearts, doesn't it? We're about to sing a song of encouragement about Jesus receiving sinners. It starts in our heart. A little story is that a mouse came to a magician and said, I'm really scared of cats. Can you make me a cat? And so he made him a cat. The mouse became a cat. So he ran around. He came back to the magician later and said, I'm really scared of dogs. Can you, can you make me to be a dog? So he made him to be a dog. He ran around for a while, and then he came back to the magician. He says, I'm really scared of tigers. Can you make me to be a tiger? So the magician turned him into a, a tiger. He ran around for a while. He came back to the magician. He said, I'm really scared of man. Can you make me to be a man? The magician said, no, I will turn you back into a mouse because that's all the heart that you have. All the heart you have is to be a mouse. The Lord looks down into our heart. He wants to move us. He wants to thrill us. He wants to impress us. But we have to respond with our hearts to his word. Will you come? Will you come home to him today? Will you come in trusting faith? Will you turn from your sin? Are you willing to be immersed in water for the remission of sins? Do you need to come home for a fresh start? Will you come right now as we stand together as we sing?